a platform for supporting the collective inquiry into deep impact. As a part of the Poetry of Impact, the Journey to Impact podcast brings to life the ebb and flow inherent on the path of impact, illuminating the interior journey of the hearts and minds of today's top leaders in impact. Here, you'll hear the intimate stories of those who push forward to overcome self-limitations and societal barriers, to co-create a world where one day all people and planet can thrive together. Hi, this is Gino Borges with the Journey to Impact series. I want to thank you for joining us today on the Journey to Impact, a virtual fireside chat series. The Journey to Impact series is here to tell a different story of impact. While we naturally address some of the landmarks of the journey, this series is designed to create space for the uncovering for uncovering the emotional, mental, and spiritual challenges and, and successes along the path of impact it is less about the outcomes or results of our actions, but rather the human components of what it feels like to operate in the impact world, illumining one's inner journey. Today, I'd like to welcome Annie Chen, Principal and Chair of RS Group Asia, a Hong Kong-based family office dedicated to 100% impact and inspired by Jed Emerson's blended value concept. She recently launched SFI, which stands for Sustainable Finance Initiative to educate and connect investors and entrepreneurs in the impact investing space. Born and raised in Hong Kong and attended a Columbia Law School along with spending time in San Francisco as a tax lawyer before joining her siblings and managing the family office back in Hong Kong. Welcome, Annie. Thank you, Gino, for having me. It's a pleasure to uh, join you. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to have you, and we feel fortunate to have your voice as part of this series. And usually I begin with um, where people began their impact journey uh, from, but obviously there's going to be, it's a very unique opportunity to speak with somebody directly from Hong Kong, um, especially since in the West we're very familiar with, with what's happening in Hong Kong and as a family office with a long history in Hong Kong and one that's focused on impact, can you explain and touch on sort of the personal um, journey and relationship potentially between what's currently happening in Hong Kong and then how you're navigating it as an impact player? Uh, well, that's a big question. Um, I think... Um when I first started, um, uh, it, it, you know, when I said started, it almost implied that, you know, um, I was working towards some uh, uh, goal or set of targets. Um, but the goals back then was um, quite simple. Um, uh, it came out of a, um, a uh, um, kind of uh, uh, reorganizing of the family wealth structure. Um, out of which I um, uh, uh, became, I had to take responsibility uh, basically for, for my share of, of the assets. And um, I was struggling with, well, you know, so what does that mean? Um, having been used to um, uh, dealing with kind of a, um, a, a, a pot of, of assets along with my um, siblings, um, I now had the um, both the responsibility and the opportunity, kind of, um, to just manage my own on my own. Um, 
And uh, it was a big burden um, in the sense that um, the experience of uh, working in the family office um, prior to that point um, was actually a very frustrating one, <laughs> um, having to uh, negotiate and, and figure out how to work with my, my four other siblings um, and uh, not always being able to um, uh, to uh, uh, get agreement uh, on on how to proceed, um, and then getting to a point where all of a sudden, you know, I could really call the shots. Um, but um, it has always, at that point, it was very much kind of like um, um, also operating under a feeling of like, okay, I, I do have the um, the freedom uh, to choose my own approach. But how do I really feel about this? Um, uh, and as I mentioned in, in the impact report that we put out, oh, three years ago now, um, um, I think there was a um, certainly a, a, a great feeling of um, uh, guilt associated by having um, uh, inherited wealth that I didn't actually personally earn, um, which I... I find out, you know, that it's not all that unusual. Um, but I was very fortunate in that, um, uh, uh, we had at that point, a family office executive who was, um, very, um, helpful. Um, not that she knew uh, much more about, um, sustainable, uh, investing. Um, but, um, she was very supportive of what I was trying to do. Um, I was basically thinking originally that, okay, I would give most of it away and that's how I would kind of deal with that, that guilt. But I also, um, understood that, you know, you don't just do that, right? You have, it's a process. You have to figure out, you know, how to do it. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, um, there are assets to be, to be managed, uh, investments to be managed. Um, so out of, um, some initial, conversations, I, I realized that, you know, at least um, I want these investments to be uh, um, deployed in a way that, you know, is not creating more problems for the world um, uh, through, you know, attending some conferences, etc. You know, I just got interested in both impact investing, although back then in, in, in Asia, it wasn't so much that term. It was the focus was more on, oh, how do you support social enterprises in, in, in um uh, what can they do as opposed to straight philanthropy? Um, but over time, I think, you know, the pieces started falling together. Um, <clears throat> and I still think to this day that probably one of the, the smartest thing, things that I did was um, understanding what I didn't know uh, and what I wasn't good at and uh, reaching out to um, advisors who could, who, who knew uh, and who were experienced uh, to uh, help me along the way. Um, and so um, very quickly, I found myself a financial advisor uh, who was very uh, focused on uh, sustainable investing. Um, I, as you mentioned, I also met uh, Jed along the way, uh, came across his writings and um, uh, felt um, very much inspired um, by kind of his whole blended value concept as a way to look at um, um, value generation, uh, which made a lot of sense to me. 
Um, and so I reached out to him. Um, and I also found myself um, uh, an advisor who helped me along on the philanthropic journey as well. Um, and that's how it all started. Um, you know, that was back in um, 2009, 2010. And it wasn't until... Um, um, some years along the way when we, you know, we're getting closer to um, uh, refining our um, portfolio approach um, that we realized that, well, you know, maybe there's something here that we can share with others who might want to do the same thing. Um, so they don't need to completely reinvent the wheel. Um, I think something that we talked a little bit about at the beginning before um, uh, we start the formal session um, is to remind um, um, ourselves, particularly um, um, those people who are joining this or, or listening who are from uh, the U.S. in particular, um, to some extent maybe even Europe, that um, this whole notion of sustainable investing and uh, impact investing really, um, they're still very nascent uh, uh, in Asia. Uh, I'm sure you have a few people who... Um, I've gotten interested uh, in in um, these uh, practices and um, uh, have been trying to do it on on their own, uh, but it certainly isn't um, uh, the trend, and there isn't that feeling that you know it's anywhere near mainstream the way that you know, particularly if you're situated in the U.S., um, you would you would start to feel um, at least in the last few years. Um, so in that in that sense, I think you know it started out being a, a very um, personally driven uh, thing. Not that I had a destination as as such, but um, um, but I did believe in it enough that um, I wanted to um, uh, contribute towards um, kind of growing the space in, in Asia rather than you know simply just doing it for for myself. So do you feel like there's sort of a breakdown? Um, you know, I mean, there's lots of questions. I, I want to touch on the history, but do you, um, I really want to understand why you think it um, hasn't grabbed on in Asian culture. Can you articulate what you think structurally is happening or ideologically, um, culturally speaking, that would mm-hmm. um, not have that dialogue be pretty pretty open at this point um, since, I mean, pretty much, you know, climate change and wealth inequality are, are global conversations mm-hmm. um, at this point. Why hasn't it can been connected to the capital in Asian cultures? And of course, that's a sweeping generalization, but I'm just sort of following up on what you articulated. Okay. Um, so I think... Um if you look across Asia, Asia, as you said, it's very diverse. Uh, we're not one country. We're not even a few countries. We're a collection of many countries, all of whom are at different points in the developmental path. Um, uh, you know, looking at kind of the growth of um, impact investing from a bit of distance, I, I was tracking that because, you know, that's where the most was happening uh, as I was starting my own uh, learning journey. So I took a lot of lessons, um, particularly from the U.S. Um, and also, you know, given my own familiarity with, with the U.S., so that's where I tended to look. Um, uh, so the context is different. 
right? Um, uh, North America is much, uh, um, we're talking about developed countries. Uh, we're talking about um, already, you know, very robust um, uh, a system, uh, a ecosystem. So, um, you know, if you wanted to do it, I think, you know, the uh, meaning uh, if you wanted to engage in impact investing, I think the ingredients are there, you know, um, what's uh, missing maybe um, uh, would be kind of how do you understand impact? How do you uh, measure? How do you capture? Um, whereas uh, in Asia, um, I'd say broadly, first of all, you know, um, I mentioned the, the different developmental uh, points uh, of the various countries. Um, and so um, impact as it's particularly kind of like understood in the Western context doesn't necessarily uh, resonate. Um, and people think of a lot of developmental needs here, you know, like, you know, we still have uh, maybe um, uh, a very poor rural population, you know, um, um, how do you improve their, their livelihoods? Um, or, you know, how, uh, do countries, um, uh, develop, uh, uh, economically? What are those needs? Um, and in terms of, um, the investor class, um, I think the profiles are also, um, quite different. Um, the more sophisticated, I, I would imagine the more sophisticated, um, private investors, um, are probably... <coughs> Um, the owners of these um, uh, conglomerates um, uh, who have the means to invest uh, and to not only invest for financial uh, returns, but to have the, um, uh, the space to even think about uh, the impact dimension. Um, whereas, you know, um, the um, uh, most people don't have the idle money uh, to invest. Um, you know, uh, we not all of the jurisdictions have uh, maybe well uh, developed pension systems um, either. Um, so there's a there's a real range of possibilities in in Asia. Um, so it's difficult to kind of capture um, just in a broad brush. But I would say uh, um, many different factors contribute to. Um, um, kind of a, um, a, a slower pace of, of development. Um, I think the, in, if I have to kind of overgeneralize, I would say that um, economic development is still uh, kind of the focus for most people, whether you're thinking about government um, or uh, uh, the private sector. Um, and so I think they tend to think that, you know, impact investing is kind of a luxury um, that that you only uh, uh, start doing once you've reached a certain standard of living or stand, um, uh, reached a certain level of, of development. Um, but of course, you know, um, you can we can argue that. Well, in <laughs> fact, no. In fact, this is where you really need to start thinking about. Well, um, what are you? Um, what is eco economic development for? And use that mindset to kind of bring in the impact uh, element. Um, but I think that's also part of the um, uh, the context and, and also the language that doesn't necessarily uh, uh, um, kind of appeal. Um, so I, I'm sure I can go into a lot more different kind of like things that I've, I've observed uh, that might have contributed to um, 
uh, the slower pace of, of development uh, of um, sustainable and, and impact investing in, in Asia. Um, so that's the context, contextual bit. Um, but one kind of side um, observation that I might make is um, uh, in Asia, it's not unusual for there to be, you know, these huge conglomerates that are held in the uh, relatively uh, small number of, of families. Um, and I think for them, I've met a number of next gens from uh, from some of these families. Uh, and the millennials, you know, kind of get the, the impact side of things. But I suspect that um, for their parents who were the wealth creators, um, that they would, um, A, first of all, you know, think of impact not so much as impact, but, you know, well, what I'm doing is not only good for me, but it's good for my country because it's, it's helping um, our um, economic development uh, overall. But B, the, their pathway to um, this wealth creation um, now, you know, could be understood um, uh, uh, globally as, you know, um, uh, as generating, you know, some uh, not so good consequences. Um, you know, if you think about um, palm oil uh, uh, producing um, or uh, mining uh, activities. Um, so in a way, I think it's also reflected um, in kind of like, you know, if, if, if they start questioning kind of the way that, that they generated their wealth, it's kind of uncomfortable psychologically. So um, anyway, so that's Speak, my... Yeah, speaking of that, ta- <laughs> I see, see, I mean, take us through how your family created its wealth, one, and then two, um, what was life like before you inherited wealth for you? Hmm. Okay, so um, my, my parents' generation, they were the wealth creators. Um, my father and his brother... Um, uh, co-founded a, a, guess what, a real property development company in Hong Kong. Um, I think that's how um, uh, a lot of wealth was created uh, back then in the 70s um, and 80s. Uh, but my father um, um, left the business, uh, retired um, in the 90s. Um, and so since that point in time, you know, even though, you know, we're, we still have, you know, some um, shareholdings uh, in the in the listed company. Um, we're not involved in the management um, as such, um, and so you know we were simply you know focused on uh, managing our own liquid um, portfolio. Um, so, what was life like before I inherited? Um, I, I I think I touched on a little bit um, the fact that I was working for the broader family office that my my parents set up, um, and I was working with my siblings. Um, and prior to that, I was working as a as a tax lawyer. Um, so, given my uh, my professional background, um, I also did a lot of uh, uh, individual kind of tax planning, estate planning. Um, so, I think there was a natural um, kind of transfer of my skills over to the family office side. So, I was um, uh, um, taking care of mostly kind of the um, the the tax and legal. Um, structure side of things. Um, and, you know, I just, back then I kind of just accepted that, you know, what people 
with wealth do is to find ways to preserve their wealth, uh, whether it's from the hands of the tax authorities, legitimately, of course, um, or, you know, just uh, uh, conserve it and, and, and grow it if you, if you can. That, that was kind of like a default thing that nobody questioned. Um, but I think it was in the course of, um, well, partly having to work with uh, my siblings and um, not always seeing eye to eye and then questioning, well, what are we disagreeing about? Um, uh, to kind of, you know, just lessons learned from that. Um, I think even though there were some painful periods uh, back then, when I then started um, uh, focusing on my own uh, uh, assets, um, I think they came in useful, right? Um, I'm not particularly uh, interested in the process of uh, investing uh, myself. I wasn't trained um in that, I wasn't personally interested in it. Um, I like to joke uh, with people that, you know, if you gave me $100 to invest, I probably would lose all of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a bad person when it comes to making money. Uh, but, you know, um, I had to learn at least some of the um, aspects associated with investing. So it helped when I was starting my own journey towards creating um, a more sustainable portfolio. Um uh, at least I, I knew that I, what I didn't know. Um, uh, uh, and so, you know, I, I sought help where, where I could. Um, so I, I'd so say, you know, the previous, you. yeah. Um, just to conclude, I think, you know, my, my previous experience has kind of informed, uh, uh, um, how I started my own journey. Yeah. Can you touch on sort of that aha moment that why you amongst the five siblings decided to be more intentional uh, rather than one dimensional with uh, the finance? And uh, like, what was it that allowed you to not default into the dominant financial paradigm? Uh, paradigm? Was it somebody you met somewhere you visited something going on in, in your inner world that sort of spoke to you? Um, just sort of take us through that, that like, whoa, this is not yeah. what I want. And, but in particular, like when did this occur and how did it occur? Um, I don't know. Um, um, I don't know how much of it was the guilt factor. Um, I wouldn't say that, um, that all of my siblings felt the same level of guilt, um, or question about, having so much as I did. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is, um, uh, like I said, you know, I was my, my original, uh, kind of plan to deal with this guilt was to give it all away. Right. Which meant that I was actually thinking more about, well, how do you do, um, philanthropy kind of in a, um, in a reasonable way. Um, and, and on that, I would say, actually, my family was um, uh, starting with my parents um, uh, and my my uh, uh, older sister, who used to run our family foundation, were actually pretty philanthropic. Um, and so I think, you know, it's also in the course of thinking about, well, what does philanthropy mean? Um, how do you do it in um, a reasonably impactful way? Um, that all influenced, you know, how I think about, well, what is the, um, 
the um, um, what are some of the possibilities uh, um, uh, that are open to you um, if you actually uh, are philanthropically oriented. Um, and I think the aha moment, I would say, is really coming across Jet's, um, Jet's writing on blended value and realizing that there, this false dichotomy between doing philanthropy and investing um, are, are two different things, uh, but they're actually, you know, they sit on, this, on the spectrum. Um, now, of course, I, I don't want to... Um, um, uh, ignore the fact that, you know, the world, the external environment also changed. Um, I, I don't think, you know, when I was growing up and also certainly for my older siblings, I don't think they spent most of their life thinking that um, having money is a bad thing. Um, in fact, you know, it's kind of the dominant um, understanding is that, you know, this is, this is what growth means. This is what, you know, uh, having a better life means is to accumulate more wealth. Mm. Uh, nobody questioned that, and particularly in a place like Hong Kong, um, where you know um, we're known for self-starters. Um, uh, all of the um, uh, famous wealthy people, kind of, um, kind of in my generation—not my generation, but you know—that that, that uh, 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 most Hong Kong people know about are self-starters. So you know, you attach a lot of. Um, positive kind of um, feelings to people who are able to create something from nothing and even great wealth from nothing. Um, so that was kind of like the dominant and kind of unquestioned uh, mindset. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, from a philanthropic side, um, I was also starting to, to realize that, um, that there are also a lot of ills in, in the world. Um, and that, you know, and moreover, I think it's also realizing that um, in the creation of wealth, that there were all so um, problems uh, resulting from kind of a single minded pursuit of, of wealth and profit. Um, uh, I think it was also that realization that kind of like um, uh, made me kind of both temper uh, and question the 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 assumption uh, that um, investing just simply uh, to create more um, is kind of a good thing. So how do you um, how do you know both at a personal level when enough is enough when it comes to money in in your own life, and then also how does it translate over to the family office when making decisions on how to move money and allocate money? Like when is enough enough? And, and balancing that, the preservation mm -hmm. interest with the intentionality interest and, and just sort of that whole mosaic of enoughness versus the sort of the desire aspect yeah. of trying to promulgate uh, wealth and capital. Uh, okay, that's an interesting word, enoughness. Um Okay, let me um, kind of uh, switch back to kind of what was captured in our impact report, which is kind of like, okay, so we have um, this portfolio uh, that's diversified and this is how, you know, we invested, tried to invest sustainably, you know, with an eye on impact as well, blah, blah, blah. Um, and how did we set our um, uh, financial targets? 
right? When, when you talk about the enoughness of it, um, instead of saying, okay, how do we, I think the, the most people say, oh, how do we get market rate returns or maximize market rate returns? Um, our question um, to ourselves was, um, what is a reasonable target for us? What is the minimum that we need to um, generate um, in the form of profits and growth in order to sustain ourselves, uh, or at least, you know, not to be um, um, uh, losing the capital um, before we under before we figured out, you know, how what we want to do with the capital. Um, and so um, we arrived at a a um, a target kind of rate rate of return across the entire portfolio. Um, and that included um, uh, budgets for um, sustaining um, our own team. You know, we have to pay salaries and we have to pay expenses. Um, uh, and we also have a grant budget for our philanthropic giving. Um, I also um, needed to provide for myself and my, my family. Um, so factoring all of those things um gave us kind of a target, a financial target uh, to work towards. Um, and I'm happy to say that we were able to, to do it. Um, uh, and I think it's also out of this, this thought process of, um, of pinning down a um, return target that I realized that, well, actually, you know, this whole thing about market return is kind of a weird thing, you know, um, what is market to you may not be market to me. Um, uh, and actually isn't having enough, like enough. <laughs> but, but I mean, let me ask you perhaps one, one response to that might be, it's like, well, it's one thing to have that approach. If you have, and I don't know the size of your family office, a hundred million and generate, four percent return um and you can run your family office and pay salaries with the four million versus let's say that somebody is like not a hundred million but like add one million um or absolutely yeah um, yeah no absolutely it's 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 um also something that um that we thought about too and you know um um not even one million you know if you think about um uh the normal person who might have a little bit of savings to invest um uh, uh, that they can invest in. Plus, you know, maybe most of their savings is in their pension. Um, so no, I, 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 um, absolutely take that point. Um, and I, uh, uh, absolutely feel that, you know, it's, um, it's a somewhat, it may sound to some people as a somewhat privileged thing to say. Um, but it depends on the context. I mean, the normal person may not be, uh, if you're just an investor, you may not be um, supporting a team. Um, I mean, we, we do support a team. We have advisors. Um, uh, and um, also, I think, you know, um, I'm not by nature kind of a, um, a very extreme person. So um, I think also in the process of this is, um, you know, I'm, I learned how to be a lot more comfortable um, or at least, you know, a lot less guilt-ridden or negative about what I have um, and understanding that context and, um, you know, just where I ended up in life, you know, yes, of course, you know, I'm, I'm, 
um, uh, luckier than a whole lot of other people. But, you know, it, within that context, you know, what what are reasonable things for me to do um, that isn't simply about, you know, my own personal happiness, but um, uh, that there is some contribution, if you will, kind of to the greater good. Um, this is how I've chosen to do it. Um, uh, but at the next level, though, I think um, going forward, um, I think um, I'm going to focus a lot more on that question of enoughness uh, more directly uh, head on. Um, I think at the beginning, um, um, I was simply answering the question of, okay, so my parents left me uh, this bucket of, of wealth or these assets. Uh, how do I um, discharge my responsibility as a responsible wealth owner? Um, but now that you know, through the process, uh, now that I've become much more comfortable in my own skin, if you will, um, I'm ready to, and I think I need to, um, uh, uh, face the next set of questions, which is, you know, how much is enough and how much do you, I want to, uh, uh, dedicate towards kind of like more, um, uh, impact, um, or the greater good as opposed to, uh, my own needs. Um, so that's, those are questions that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to answering, uh, in the coming months. Yeah. How is that process to um, I guess disaggregate your family funds from, um, you know, a pool? Uh, was that, uh, did that take place because of a passing of your mother and father? I'm just trying to, uh, just trying to understand how the passing happened and, huh. um, and or the passing of assets occurred, like what, like what set it in place? And then also, what issues were brought up as a result of that transition occurring? Mm. Um, well, in, in our situation, it was um, a bit unusual, particularly in the in um, an Asian or Chinese context. Um, a lot of uh, families um, don't trigger a, a like you said, you know, a transfer of wealth until um, you know somebody in the previous generation passed on. Um, my father, um, for some reason, um, uh, decided, you know, when he retired that, you know, he was going to, um, uh, set aside some assets for our generation while he retained some. Um, and that became kind of the, the, um, the reason for creating a family office and also a reason for having um, my generation, you know, all the siblings kind of involved in co-managing. Um, maybe that's his way of saying, okay, you know, we're not involved in kind of the original um, family business anymore. So um, uh, that was left to the other branch of the family. Um, so what we're going to do is, you know, we're going to kind of co-manage our, our assets and make that kind of like the common enterprise, um, if you will. Um, so that's how it happened. Um, but then the disaggregation came out of the fact that um, that it was difficult, you know, um, trying to uh, uh, work as a group um, because um, the five of us, you know, first of all, there's a pretty significant age gap. Um, I think between the oldest and the youngest, we're about 16 years apart, um, almost a generation. So, um, you know, I didn't realize it back then. I thought, oh, you know, we just have 
different uh, viewpoints. And that's also true. Uh, but I think the other factor was that, you know, at different life stages, I think, you know, your, your, your view of things are different, your needs are different. Um, and so it was particularly challenging for us to, um, to come to a consensus. Um, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, my way of approaching things, uh, now, you know, um, um, uh, you know, doing the sustainable and, and impact investing, stuff um would sit well with some of uh my other siblings um so you know what happened needed to happen i guess um and was it, that yeah. all five actually reached a consensus that we all need to go to so you did reach or so like at some point some element of consensus occurred for you <laughs> so um, i mean the irony is that you guys did develop consensus to go your own way or yeah, yeah, I think to to some uh, to some extent. I mean, there's still some um, joint uh, um, uh, kind of initiatives. For example, you know, we still have a, um, a family foundation uh, that we're all involved in. Um, you know, the um, so our group, even though I say you know our group is my own. Um, family office, um, we're actually still supported by the larger family office, you know, in terms of back office stuff, um, office space, uh, execution. Um, uh, and so there's still kind of like, a, um, kind of a joint enterprise there. Um, uh, but looking back, I think, you know, none of it was by design. Um, I think what, like I said, you know, this, the disaggregation, um, et cetera, you know, was something that needed to happen. Um, and, uh, it was probably a good thing. Um, but, um, now, you know, it doesn't mean that the, the, um, original family office kind of went away. So, you know, part of my time is still uh, spent on, um, uh, managing, you know, the, the broader family office. Um, yeah. And so when you, um, end up going your own way. You hired some, you, you hired advisors. Um, you, uh, were aware of or you weren't even aware of what you didn't know. And what was it like taking the first step, uh, and saying, I want to do things differently, but heck, I don't know how I'm going to do it or where I'm going to end up at. Um, I think what mattered to me was having the right people um, around me to work with. Um, so it wasn't simply like, oh, I don't have this skill, so I'm going to go look for someone who has this skill or this particular experience. Um, I think we needed to start with also um, with the same values. Um, uh, and I think that really has allowed our our team to um, grow and to progress um, uh, in the way that we did. Um, so we're, we're uh, a group of very like-minded people. Um, we're very different, right, as individuals. But I think in terms of fundamental values, we're very similar. And that's what, um, and that's what keeps us uh, together um, and working so well as, as a team. Um, I think that's, that's super, super, uh, important. Um, they weren't, it's unusual. I think, you know, in, in, in Hong Kong, um, particularly 
people don't like to get or pay for um, for advice. Um, certainly, at you know, as far as individual uh, um, asset owners are involved. Um, but like I said, I, I personally feel that one of the, the best things I ever did was to go find advisors and who, who, um, um, can help me kind of clarify my thinking, um, and, uh, whom I, I trusted and respected, um, to work together towards kind of, um, uh, developing something that, that made sense. That makes a lot of sense in terms of surrounding yourself with people that you trust uh, are qualified and just feel good about working around. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. I think you know it. Uh, um, I I never thought that I would have um, kind of a second career, uh, <laughs> but I think kind of launching my um, RS group and um, my own kind of like wealth management or uh, investment management um, exercise became a, um, a second career for me um, and a much more enjoyable one, I have to say. Um, it's, it's been, it's been um, a period of both personal growth um, and a lot of excitement because we were doing something that um, you know, we actually really had to learn and really had to grapple with and we had to think about um, so it's not as if there were off the shelf or easy uh, uh, answers. Um, you know, we we needed to think about okay, so we 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 say we want to achieve this. Um, so there are uh, any number of uh, ways to approach it. Um, so we we do a lot of actually um, talking uh, amongst ourselves uh, um, uh, to really probe our motivations for doing something. Um, and, um, and it's, it's really been, uh, a very, f- a fun and very, very positive, uh, experience for me and pe- a period of, of great personal growth as well. Sure. And now founding, um, you know, f- f- being a founder of a family office and, um, I'm presuming you are the managing member of the family office, your RS group, um, mm-hmm. as well. I mean, how do you go about managing, um, and balancing your life. Um, there's obviously, um, it can be all consuming. You can spend as much time as you want there, um, with that particular intention, but just curious about how you sort of navigate this larger reality that, uh, I'm in the world, uh, with lots of possibilities, lots of, um, other potential interest and, um, maybe, and then just, um, you know, you have other family members that also, yeah. Um, long for your attention. Sure. Um, so when I started close to a decade ago, um, uh, so I have two kids. Um, uh, my husband uh, uh, is a um, university professor, so he has his own career. Um, I have two kids. Um, and so when I first started on this, I was still, you know, obviously my, my kids were still in their in their teens, mid-teens, early teens. Um, uh, and so that's where, you know, having um, advisors who um, helped clarify the way forward was very helpful. Um, uh, and I think um, I also hired my first uh, staff uh, uh, about 10 years ago. 
Um, and that came out of the fact that, you know, I had other family responsibilities. Uh, but also I was um, realizing that, you know, I could only process so much uh, as one individual. Um, I was doing so much reading um, back then. Um, I think that was also a period when, you know, um, impact investing was really starting to grow and there's no shortage of like uh, reports and um, articles and all this, uh, that or the other that's um, available to read online. Um, but there was so much I was trying to figure out, well, well how do I, I organize all of this information? Um, and so that's when kind of like having experienced people who've already done a lot of their own thought work uh, to come in as advisors, like really, really helped. Um, uh, whether it's it's Jed, um, who um, uh, was very much tapped into kind of the the um, the growth of this whole impact investing space, um, or or Evo Knetful, our, our financial advisor, who um, uh, uh, sits in Zurich, but you know he had been uh, in, involved not only in advising clients but also as part of um, um, uh, the advocacy effort around growing, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> sustainable, um, investing in, in Europe, um, and having kind of these people who are really thought leaders in that, in their own, um, areas come in and, um, uh, help us kind of fast track our thinking. So that was, um, um, really, um, very, uh, uh, very, uh, helpful. Um, I've lost track of your question. <laughs> oh, it's just in terms of balancing the multiple interests, oh, yeah. stakeholders, right. minimal, right. you know, finite yeah, yeah, amount yeah. of time. Yeah, no. So um, I'm probably, um, um, I probably went through a period where I was quite busy um, because I think there's no shortcut to it. I think at the end of the day, um, I, I, if I look a little bit um, uh, at, um, other, uh, private investors that I know out in Asia, the people who have been able to really do more are people who, um, have committed to spend time to learn about it and to, um, uh, not just talk and think, but also to act, um, and, um, you know, going back to one of your first questions is like, you know, why, why hasn't, um, impact investing kind of like grown as quickly in Asia? Um, I don't know about other parts of Asia in Hong Kong, everybody's busy. Even, um, I've, I've encountered a lot of, um, quote unquote, um, impact investors who are, you know, three years later still talking about, I'm interested in impact investing, um, but haven't really made much progress. And I think it's because, you know, they say they're in, in, interested, but there are other, either there are other responsibilities, have taken precedence, um, or, you know, their interest is really, you know, only that deep. Um, but there's really no shortage of ways to get involved if you really wanted to. But you've got to do the learning yourself because no other person can understand what you are looking for in terms of impact and what you personally want to define as important in terms of impact. Um, and without spending the, the time to think about those questions, and it's not 
simply like impact in terms of like, you know, how do I measure it? But really what I think impact investing ultimately is about the world that you want to be part of, part, take part in creating. And if you don't spend time thinking about what that vision is, but only look at um, um, more short-term uh, um, targets, um, you're never going to become, you know, a well-rounded impact investor. That's a beautiful place sense? to end. Yes. Um, I want to end because I think that was a nice, nice summary of um, everything that you've shared at, at many different levels today. And um, I want to thank you. Um, again, we're here with Annie Chen, uh, the principal and chair of RS Group Asia on the Journey to Impact, a virtual fireside chat series. Annie, um, thank you so much. It um, really felt like a natural flowing conversation. I didn't even get to, I probably, I probably got to like two or three of my questions. They just organically originated from what you're sharing. I feel like you have a very rich, textured story and hopefully you're taking good notes there because I think there's a book there for you. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Gino, for having me. It's been a very enjoyable conversation. Um, and I want to thank you also for hosting these uh, uh, fireside chats. Um, I think you are um, trying to capture um, an unusual kind of side to it, a more personal side. And um, uh, and I thank you for that effort. And I look forward to um, going through all of the other interviews that you've had so far and more to come, I understand. Yes, for sure. Thanks again, Annie. We, have, we appreciate the support. No, thank you so much. Have a good All rest right. of the day. Yeah, thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to The Journey to Impact. If you enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word by subscribing to this series on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends on your favorite social media platform. For a preview of our previous or upcoming episodes, visit www.poetryofimpact.com. 